Some research into consumer behavior showed that Chinese consumers were actually more likely to purchase plant-based or cultured alternatives than, for example, U.S. consumers. So there's definitely potential for the sector to grow in China and a shift to alternative protein production. The global food system is facing unparalleled challenges and changes. So how can we reset for a better, more sustainable future? Introducing Control-Alt-Meat, the weekly podcast that explores the issues transforming the global food business. I'm your host, Katie Briefel. Come join me as I speak to the innovators and investors, policymakers and product developers, the scientists and the chefs, who are all on the front line reshaping the future of our food. ESG investment in China is growing fast. But how big is the appetite really for alternative protein? And what roadblocks can we expect to see in the years ahead? Today's episode is with Aline Raincheck. Aline works on the policy team at the FAIR Initiative, and her main focus areas are sustainable agriculture and financial policy in China and the EU. I hope you enjoy this episode. Aline, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start. I'm just interested, how much traction is ESG investment having in China at the moment? So it looks like ESG investment is becoming more popular in both China and in Asia in general. According to JP Morgan, funds managed with strategies linked to companies' ESG performance actually doubled in Asia to 25 billion uh, last year from 12 billion in 2019. Uh, that's US dollars. And policy and foreign investment are kind of the main drivers of that. So some restrictions in foreign investment uh, earlier in China were lifted in 2019. And in 2020, China set a net zero carbon target for 2060. Um, And they're also hosting the 15th Biodiversity Conference of the Parties, um, which is happening this year and next year in April as well. And engagement by foreign investors has already seen some of the Chinese firms enhance ESG disclosures, while regulatory requirements would improve that further and the investment in China grow further if the disclosure standards are tightened from what they are today. And are there any mandatory reporting requirements being rolled out at this stage? Yeah, so in June 2021, China's Securities Regulatory Commission, uh, which is the CSRC, released a new set of disclosure rules for publicly listed companies, which encourages companies to disclose the measures they've taken to reduce emissions and also to disclose administrative penalties uh, that are related to environmental issues they've faced. Um, So under the new uh, requirements, all China China A-listed companies must now report on environmental measures and metrics um, and also disclose the volume of total emissions of some air pollutants. Um, But the disclosure isn't mandatory, um, so the rules uh, aren't mandatory and they don't give detailed reporting uh, reporting guidance either. There are some more stringent requirements for some specific issues in place for state-owned enterprises in China. And companies that are listed on the Hong Kong exchange are actually required to report on ESG factors linked to standards from the Global Reporting Initiative. Um, And many companies that are based in mainland China are listed on the Hong Kong exchange. And this has played a role in familiarizing some of the China-based companies with ESG reporting. So alongside engagement from investors and uh, more 
stringent reporting requirements could help corporates better understand what they should monitor and also improve climate risk assessments and uh, implement their science-based emission reduction targets in their business strategies. The Ministry of Ecology and Environment also recently launched a consultation on further disclosure requirements, which closed last week, and the proposed new measures would require companies to disclose a range of environmental information uh, that they don't have to yet. And if it was introduced, it would be significant um, because it would be the first mandatory ESG information reporting scheme on the mainland. Uh, so there's definitely a lot happening right now the ESG disclosure landscape. Yeah, that's some really exciting progress. And could you provide an overview of the ESG performance of animal agricultural companies in China? Yes. So one that the FAIR initiative produces, which is the Protein Producer Index, um, ranks the 60 largest publicly listed protein producing companies based on their performance on a key set of risk categories like greenhouse gas emissions, deforestation, antibiotics use, working conditions, and other categories as well. And these companies, the companies that are based in China, uh, that are part of the index, um, are 12 out of the 60 companies. And their main business is uh, animal agriculture, so either pork, dairy, beef, or poultry and eggs. And even though um, 12 of the 60 companies are based in China, so that's one fifth of them, they actually make up 40% of the total market cap of those 60 companies. And according to the index, um, the China-based companies perform sort of below average. So 10 out of 12 were actually ranked as high risk uh, in 2020. And that compares with 28 out of 48 of the companies that are based outside China. Some of the specific examples from the index are deforestation and antibiotic use. So um, for the Chinese companies, even though 58% of the producers from China confirm that they use soy in their animal feed, none of them address how they manage soy-related deforestation risks. And another example is antibiotics. 92% of the companies in China um, don't disclose how many antibiotics they use, so the quantity, and only three of them mention that they have a policy in place or a commitment for antibiotics and antimicrobial resistance. But it's important to note that Asian companies are on a slightly different timeline because ESG investment and regulation is still a bit behind that uh, in the EU and US, for example. And also that companies might be doing more than what they're actually reporting on. Um, but because mandatory disclosure um, is not yet in place, it might not be identifiable. And what is the appetite like for plant-based protein in China at the moment? So some Chinese and also some major foreign food producers are investing in plant-based protein in China and also cultured and fermented alternative protein options. And a lot of mock meat and plant-based products actually trace their roots to China. Um, plant-based protein has been quite a traditional part of Chinese diets. And some research into consumer behavior showed that Chinese consumers were actually more likely to purchase plant-based or cultured alternatives than, for example, U.S. consumers. So there's definitely potential for the sector to grow in China and a shift to alternative protein production could help China tackle some of the ESG issues associated with the sector. And 
Can we expect to see an uptick in investment in alternative protein or cultured meat in China? Uh, well, government backing for cell-based meat in China has already grown, uh, and that was demonstrated by a recent deal that was signed with Israel. And it's also uh, shown by interest that was shown by several food tech firms that were looking to establish a presence in the Chinese market. There are two pioneers for cultured meat in the Chinese market called CellX and Zhou Weilai. They're currently working on creating cell-based meat products. There's also many other startups that are entering the alternative protein market. On the regulatory side, uh, there was a member of the CPPCC, which is the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. Uh, they suggested that China should invest in cultured meat research and establish its own sort of regulatory framework. And there's also parallels to be drawn to the clean energy revolution in China. So a few years back, government support for solar power caused a quick drop in the cost of solar PV and eventually made China the largest producer of PV energy in the world. So increasing government support and funding for alternative protein could bring down the cost of alternative protein products like cultured meat in the same way, which alongside other broader promotion amongst consumers could help increase alternative protein adoption in the Chinese cuisine. Got it. Thank you so much, Aline. Really insightful points. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Control Alt Meat. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on social media to help us reach more listeners like you. You can also visit controlaltmeat.com to learn more.